Welcome to Meatbone Express, the filmmaking podcast. Today on the program is Richard Wollstonecroft, independent filmmaker and creator of the Melbourne Underground Film Festival. Welcome to the program, Richard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure being here. Now, you created the Melbourne Underground Film Festival. Yes. Um, and recently, uh, during the marriage plebiscite uh, survey, you said some comments online, and uh, then you it seemed that you were forced uh, to uh, leave that post as director of the festival. I didn't Can- leave. <laughs> you were pushed, or what, no, what, what, no, no, what no, happened? No. I mean, I run the festival. I mean, how am I going to be pushed from an event that I run? <clears throat> I thought that you, you publicly said that you, you would leave. No, no, no I apologised. I publicly apologised for the comments and um, uh, I continue to run the Melbourne Underground Film Festival. Okay. So, um, yeah, I wasn't, um, I wasn't pushed. I considered resigning and I was going to put Frank Housen in charge. But then Frank and I were talking about um, how we would maybe, uh, how he might run it and he was going to make it more politically correct and really that's not what the festival's about. So I decided to make the film festival a, um, a radical free speech event, which means anybody can say anything connected to the festival, which includes me. So I can say anything I want. It can be I can be as racist, homophobic, psychopathic as I wish to be. And uh, if you don't like that, please don't enter your film into the Melbourne Underground Film Festival uh, because this is a radical free speech event now. And people can say whatever the hell they like because basically I'm tired of political correctness. I'm tired of people being shut down in a kind of neo-McCarthyist, um, almost Gestapo-like attitude that people have where they should lose their jobs because they have some they've said something stupid on Facebook. I didn't actually fully agree with the things I said on the same-sex marriage comment last year, so I did apologise for that. I did upset a few friends within the gay community, which is why I apologised, and I think really that's it. I've caused um, various kinds of controversy over the years, and this is really just another one of the many controversies I've been involved in, but also um, I've supported uh, you know hundreds upon hundreds of filmmakers from Melbourne and internationally of all um, different communities, whether they be the gay and lesbian community, whether they be um, any any community really. So I've been supporting independent cinema for close to 20 years. I'm going to keep doing that. And if people have a problem with free speech, if people have a problem with, um, you know, if they want to be like social justice warriors and political correctness enforcers, you know, essentially I've got a very clear message for you now. You can get fucked. Can you explain uh, what happened online? It, 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 like, I'm not on Facebook, and, and even I knew that there seemed to be a kind of pile-on. It was a purging. Oh, sure. yeah. and, and, and what sort of happened there? It seemed that everyone was sort of jumping on you. However, <laughs> one friend of mine, Chris Luskri, who is a gay man, yeah. uh, found himself uh, sticking up for you because oh, cause the, vi- the vitriol, it seemed that it was a, a sort of purging. So can you it explain was, yeah. what happened? I mean, look, being at the centre of one of these things, I mean, I've caused many controversies. I mean... My previous controversy before this one was actually um, defending the uh, the free speech rights of a gay filmmaker, Bruce the Bruce. So people actually knew my history, knew that I'm not homophobic, and that you know even though I have lots of controversial opinions and often say some, the odd stupid thing on the right wing direction on this and that, um, they they know that basically I'm a reasonably decent person, and also I'm a free speech um, radical. So when Bruce LeBruce had his um, free speech impinged by the uh, Office of Film and Literature classification, his film was um, banned from the Melbourne National Film Festival. And he'd been a previous guest of the Melbourne Underground Film Festival. We'd gotten along very well and we'd spoken about gay and lesbian issues and we'd often been on the same page about them. Um, You know, he had his own doubts about the way that the gay movement was moving in a direction that, let's just call it mainstream. The way the mainstream was embracing the gay and lesbian movement, he found disturbing. And I found disturbing myself because I thought when essentially what's called, uh, from a Marxist perspective, the bourgeoisie elite uh, begins to preach your agenda, 
something's going on to your agenda. And I think, you know, all people whose um, radical politics is now being preached by CNN and even the CIA, I think you should think about what's going on with your politics when it's now become part of some kind of elite agenda. So we spoke on that issue in depth, actually. And obviously, that was sort of the point I was trying to make with my comment that I made last year. But of course, it wasn't, um, it didn't fully come across and I, it was an unwise comment. Basically, I'd been out the night before and I'd been drinking and I'd been partying. And, you know, it was like I woke up in the, the, the next day in a bad mood and I wrote this kind of what's called a black pill. A black pill post is a, it's a word used on the new right, which means, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, say, for example, if you didn't like Donald Trump and you wake up and you find that Donald Trump is president, right? And you think the world is going to end. Donald Trump is president. Oh, my God, this is the apocalypse. We're all going to be nuked. It's the end of all human rights. He's a fascist or whatever. So, you know, it was that kind of post, but from the perspective of someone who might have supported the, uh, the no vote. And the reason I even supported the no vote is just to be a contrarian. I mean, I, everybody in the arts scene, I mean, literally everybody supported the Yes campaign. And I found that to be a kind of reflection of the hive mind that I don't like. I mean, ever since I was in school, I would all, whenever the teacher would say something, I would disagree with the teacher. I've always had a contrarian nature. And so when I saw everybody supporting the S campaign, even though really I'm a social libertarian, I used to run a health fight club. We had you know, at least a third of our audience was gay, from the gay and lesbian community. So it was ridiculous, really. Um, but I just wanted to argue it because no one was. You know what I mean? I wanted to see if I could come up with an argument for it. So essentially that's what I was doing. And um, I think, I guess it was misunderstood. And when the controversy hit, it just became, um, you know, when you're the center of one of these, um, I guess it's called public shaming. You know, you know uh, John Ronson did a very interesting book on it. Um, it was about public shaming, and uh, I should recommend you go, go read that book and also watch his TED talk online because really it lays down the groundwork about the issues around surrounding public shaming. But when you're at the center of one of these attacks, it's like you are starring in the crucible, you know, <laughs> or um, you're at the center of a, of a Neo McCarthy, you are Donald Trumbo at the center of a Neo McCarthy's witch hunt. Because these people that try and go after your job, your friends, everything, and it's it's, I mean, it's almost like the fucking Gestapo. I mean, they were contacting people I'd, who had attended my festival once, who'd come to Ireland. And a friend of mine, Terry McMahon, he got something like 10 or 20 emails from people. He'd been to the festival once. And he just you know, wrote this defense of me. And he said, you know, because he'd been urged to say something. And he said, well, I, I am going to say something, but it's not going to be what you all fucking like. I mean, sure, Richard, you know, he's is, is got a big mouth, you know, and um, he's quite notorious for it. And... Um, you know, uh, but he's also quite a kind person and very supportive. And when, you know, I came to Australia and he put me up at his house and he bought me meals, like, you know, he made me feel welcome and we would get drunk together and, you know, talk about politics. And yeah, occasionally he might say something that I might disagree with, but he's a very gregarious and likable fellow and he supports independent cinema and has done for 20 years. And I support him, even though I detest the thing in this case that he'd said. So I thought that was interesting. And uh, there were a number of people that came to my defense in this way and, um, I thought that was nice. Often it was not the people you would expect. Um, it was sometimes people who didn't even necessarily like you might come to your defense. Um, and uh, some people who maybe I'd worked with in the past. And some people who, as far as I know, had never had the slightest problem with me and who I'd done nothing but support their, their work through the Melbourne Underground Film Festival. Um, people like Addison Heath and, and Stuart Simpson. And um, these people just threw me under the bus ruthlessly. Um, I'd done nothing but support these guys' films, award them. I'd never had so much as a harsh word to either of them, but these two guys, they threw me under the bus 
And I was just absolutely shocked because it's like, okay, look, disagree with what I say, guys, but like, you know, like, why throw me to the wolves so ruthlessly? I mean, they know, and they've known for years I say controversial shit, and I've said it in front of them, and they didn't have the slightest fucking problem in the past, but now they do all of a sudden. But people like Bill Mazzullis, for example, who was a different um, politics to mine quite, quite radically, um, I saw him, you know, kind of like defending me, even though he said, like, I totally disagree with what he said, but, you know, Richard is you know, he's a more complex fellow than you know, and... You know, things like that really, you know, it almost brought a tear to my eyes sometimes because it was nice to see, you know, there really are some decent people out there who are of an opposite politics or an op completely opposite worldview um, who might still defend free speech or might still defend the right to have, you know, different opinions. And also even the fact that you might have a wrong opinion every now and then. And even it's okay to have a wrong opinion, you know? So just to be clear, uh, if there was another director uh, briefly in place, you are very much back and it's very much your festival as usual. We had considered, yeah, we were considering putting Frank Housen in charge, but Frank has decided to start his own festival called the Oz International Film Festival, um, which is going to be uh, a more politically correct version of Marth. Um, but we decided to keep Marth as a kind of, uh, you know, rebel festival, pretty much similar to how it's always been. I mean, you know, one thing's important to know about the Melbourne Underground Film Festival is if you actually look at our catalogues, um, we don't make these kind of, I mean, I don't make these kind of comments within the actual, like you've got three catalogues out there in the lounge room I gave you today. I don't make these comments in the, in the liner notes of the catalogue. These are from my personal Facebook page. And I think one thing we need to really make a demarcation is between public and private statements. The statements I was making on my Facebook page were for my private uh, you know, Facebook friends, which I have about two and a half thousand people, you know, from various forms of politics, and most of them are radical free speech campaigners. But one thing about my page is occasionally I will make um, posts public. For example, I, I might be publicising the film, the film festival, I might have a poster for the film festival, a poster for my own work. So I'll make a couple of posts public. And I've noticed if I do that two or three times in a row, it makes all my posts public. Like, from that point on. And so then I'll be, I won't realize I'm posting publicly. And so, but then I'll look and notice, oh shit, everything I've been saying for the past 10 posts has been public. So I'll go back and then um, make them, uh, what's it called, just to friends only, which is really my posts are for friends only, unless they're there to do with the film festival, then I make them public. That post I thought was for friends only, <laughs> but obviously somebody, it, it, I think it, went, it, was, it was public and um, someone took a screenshot and then it went viral. <laughs>
What do you think of Australian film at the moment and Australian uh, independent film? Uh, where are we at cinematically and how is the film culture? Um, I think it's, it's, it's reasonably healthy uh, in the independent scene. I mean, obviously, um, the mainstream um, funding bodies um, are a complete disaster. They've been a complete disaster for years. Uh, I mean, look, every now and then, somehow, magically, a decent film manages to make its way through the funding apparatus and then be successful. Like, this happens every two or three years maybe, you know, you might get it from a good and uh, also receive government funding, maybe a bit more than that, you know. I mean, obviously, there's state uh, funding and federal funding, but these people, they make 100 films, probably, I don't know, I don't know the exact amount of films, they at least make 20 or 30 films a year at a federal and a state level, and the majority of these films are absolute rubbish, and the majority of these films are absolutely politically correct, condescending, they're all made by white liberals, and they're all... (laughs) On the topic of like some multicultural bullshit or some you know, like new sexuality or it's like you know what's the joke? It's about an, an Aboriginal lesbian disabled um, I don't know basketball player in Laos. You know what I mean? There, there you go. If you want to go and make a film that's uh, going to get all the government funding, there it is. It should have nothing to do with Australia or Australians really, and it should just be as, as multicultural and as alien to our culture as possible. And then we'll get funding. So why do they fund films like this? Why why do these boxes need to be ticked? These people. Have hate Australia, they hate our country, they are in, they are in charge of our, what's called the national screen, um, so they should be nationalist, at least a little, you know what I mean, they don't have to be like, I don't know, Tommy Robinson, right, they don't have to be that nationalist, but they should at least have some level of pride in Australian cinema, but they don't, they hate Australia, they hate Australian culture, they like any film that shames traditional Australia and uh, traditional Australian culture and, um, you know, and they just make this kind of condescending, tokenistic crap that's generally not successful. Occasionally, they might have a hit. Recently, they had Lion. that was a bit of a hit. So, uh, that seemed to connect with people. I saw that at the beginning of the film. I thought was quite good with the young Indian boy uh, lost in um, in India. And then I thought it was dull when it got to Australia, when the white liberals came into it and it started being condescending bullshit. And then the other one was uh, that film where the woman destroys the town, the dressmaker, whatever, which I thought was some, you know, this new radical feminism misandry, which is all about hating men, you know, and uh, it was absolute nonsense. The, I mean, she basically she ends up doing an ISIS on their hometown because the town was sexist and racist or whatever. So she literally destroys the town like she's a member of ISIS. And this is meant to be celebrated as somehow wonderful. Yes, let's go and destroy small outback towns in the name of feminism. This sounds wonderful. It's, it's nonsense. And that was sort of successful. I don't know why. Because it was like so intellectually insulting. You look at a country like Greece, who's basically insolvent, has no money. And, and that they have film movements uh, that are currently being talked about, like the Greek Weird Wave. Their GDP is nothing like Australia, and yet we can't compete with that. So something's going on. It's corrupt. The people who are getting the funding are doing kickbacks to the people handing it out. And I know because I've spoken to the filmmakers who get the funding. I'm not going to name who it is. But they literally pay bribes back to the people who give them the funding. That's what's happening. Can you explain that? Absolutely. Okay, you get a budget of a million dollars. I won't say the filmmaker, but I know exactly who I'm talking about. Okay, they're given a million dollars. They make the film for three or four hundred, three or four hundred thousand dollars, really. Where did the other six hundred go? First of all, uh, the people who work at the funding bodies have a brother or a sister or a cousin, you know, who uh, is in um, costume design. Not really. They just have a cousin, but they're costume design, and they get a bill for fifty thousand dollars, and that money goes straight back to the person who gave them the funding. It's corrupt. That's how it works. Basically, it's a money trench, and it's being run by this group of people who are just greedy. I mean, you know, a lot of these people, I'm not going to name them again because I don't believe in doing that, um, but I've met independent filmmakers who, f- who get government funding 
whose films always flop, so their films have never made money, but they own houses in Turek in South Yarra. Big houses worth millions of dollars. How is this even possible? I mean, I've been to they show me this is my house. Really? Like, fuck. You know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's just because it's this system of corruption. Now, it doesn't all have to be that way. As I said, you only got to... I don't know. I mean, if you actually produced, say, put 20% of the actual budget towards making really good cinema, and then the rest you can embezzle and waste on rubbish no one wants to see, but if you just put actually 20% of the actual budget of you, you would have this incredibly dynamic industry, but they don't. It's this level of greed, and, and it's just... It, they're unaccountable. That's the thing, and I think that's it. No one will question them on it, you know? And because I do, I am, you know, public enemy number one because I tell the truth on the topic, which is always why, you know, when, for example, that controversy hit with the same-sex marriage, people have been wanting to bury me with something legitimate for years. And that's why many of them jumped on, oh, this is a chance to get rid of Richard, right? And it maybe nearly did, you know what I mean? But no, I mean, you know, I, you know I'm, a, I'm a believer in, uh, what's that saying? Uh, don't let the bastards grind you down. There's a good Latin expression for it, you know. And, um, you know, when someone wants to fight me, I, I, I'll fight back, you know. And sometimes, you know, I mean, it was a reasonable knockdown punch to a certain extent because I said something stupid. I gave them the ammunition. And, you know, for a while there, it was, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. But um, in the end, um, you know, I realized uh, I lost about 150 friends uh, through that on Facebook or whatever, whatever kind of Facebook friend you have or whatever, but I at least got another 200, 250 in support. And I thought, hang on a minute, there's a group of people who are supporting me. And I thought, well, why don't I just declare this festival a radical free speech festival, which I've always been interested in anyway, which means, you know, anyone, I mean, if a filmmaker says something utterly ridiculous, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to ban their film. You know, if they say something stupid, that's their business. And by the way, if I say something stupid, that's my fault. It doesn't It's not actually a reflection on the festival. If I say something stupid, I'll apologise for it if enough people think I need to. You know, and that's it. That's what I'll be doing. So, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, there was an element of that, you know, like this desire to bring down this kind of rebel within the industry. And I was told when I first um, founded Marv, and obviously someone like Bill Mazoulis, he knew me back then, and I've, I've played a lot of his work over the years. And, you know, he, uh, he said, you know, if, if you... Uh, if you did criticise them, you won't get the funding, you know. And I guess I knew that to some extent. But I thought the kind of films I want to make maybe wouldn't get the funding anyway. And I've continued to uh, make independent films. I just finished a new um, feature called The Second Coming, which is based on uh, the writings of Wayne Butler Yeats. Um, I played Volume 1 to Emil Corton Wilson, and he says one of my, fa one of the best, one of my best works. And, um, you know, because he's, he's someone who does get government funding, who I think is great, you know, and his films go to Venice. I really like Emil Corton Wilson, so at least... Occasionally, a good filmmaker is actually getting funding, and his work is, you know, getting out there on the world stage. So, occasionally they do get it right. It's not like they always get it wrong. As I said, five percent of the time, maybe they get it right. But I just think we could increase that to twenty-five percent or, or whatever. Okay, if I'm a bit controversial, whatever. But like, just just follow my advice, and then blame, say they got the inspiration from somebody else. I don't even want the credit for it. I just want the Australian film industry to be better because actually I'm a believer in the national screen. As a mild nationalist, I think we need to have a strong screen, national screen that reflects Australian culture in all its ugliness sometimes, not just its political correct, um, you know, like how we would like it to be seen.
the Melbourne Underground Film Festival, we do a lot more interesting kind of work. Um, essentially, I don't know how, what do we look for uh, when we, in our selection process? We don't um, uh, have the same process as the mainstream uh, Melbourne International, Sydney International Film Festival. Basically, I just look for talent. And I really don't care whether the filmmaker is, 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 is a woman or a man or, or from a, a member of a different uh, ethnic community. If it's good, I'll play it. So that way, funnily enough, Muff does have, is relatively multicultural simply because I just look for talent. Yeah. And by doing that, you know, that to me is, is not insulting. I don't have any quotas. I won't have a gender quota because I would consider that tokenistic insulting. Like, you know, women are as good filmmakers as men. They do not need extra help. To, to imply they do is condescending. To imply they do implies weakness on the behalf of women. And I think that's bullshit. Um, so, you know, we just select talent. And surprisingly enough, we have a rather diverse festival. And, um, you know, we just do that. And subsequently, we have discovered just about every important filmmaker to come out of this country the last 20 years. I mean, we started with James Wan in, in the first festival, went on to make all the Saw films, and now has become the biggest, um, the Saw has become the biggest horror franchise in cinema history. Plus he's made all those other, The Conjuring, and he's doing one of those new Marvel films. The guy's like a huge success, like, you know, even bigger than someone like Wes Craven. Now, um, Patrick Hughes was in our first festival. He went on to do The Expendables recently. We discovered Greg McLean. We discovered the Spearig brothers. We discovered um, um, Zach Hilditch. I mean, Effort mentioned um, Stuart Simpson, Addison Heath. They're relatively successful on the local level. Their films are all out through Monster Pictures. There's a whole number of other interesting filmmakers we've discovered, like uh, Jason Turley. Uh, his, his first feature is really amazing. We played all his early work. Scott Ryan, who Nash Edgerton um, discovered, has now taken the uh, his um, film idea, it turned into a TV series in America for like I think it's Netflix. So like this is amazing. All I mean, all these filmmakers. The first film festival in the world to play their work is the Melbourne underground film festival not the melbourne international and how do we do that on like a like a literal fraction of their budget must like a thousandth of their budget one hundred thousand has there been a sort of lack of support for genre films over the years is, is that why uh, that muff has been the home for genre and successful genre films i think so genre has always been considered a, a dirty word you know and um Adrian martin always gave us a hard time because my interpretation of the word underground was more broad than say uh, i guess his was um he would consider people like you know kent anger and um Jonas Meckes and, you know, the traditional definition of underground, which obviously I consider, John Waters say, I consider those underground filmmakers, but I broadened it to consider, to, to include pretty much anyone who was making low-budget, micro-budget or micro-dot features, um, whether it be local or international, that had some kind of edge, you know, that had some kind of controversy or, or you know, genre edge or whatever, and that were a bit just aggressive or um, um, in-your-face or... You know, also include documentaries about interesting topics and et cetera, et cetera. So I definitely broadened the definition of underground, and I'm not the only one to have done that. Australia has that great history of genre filmmaking. Do you think we're coming back? Do you think the screen bodies are, are kind of getting back to genre films? I attend, you know, like the St Kilda Film Festival opening nights and the opening night of the Melbourne International Film Festival. So I speak to a lot of the mainstream industry figures, including the directors of both festivals and, you know, all the other major people on the board and blah, blah, blah. They all, they all come over and have a little chat to me. At least most of them do. And, um, you know, many of them say, listen, you're right. Everything you say is correct. And I go, well, why don't you fucking do something about it? You know, okay. But it's like they like me to be right, but they like never to act on it. Uh, are you disappointed that they 
they don't back you up publicly, and that a lot oh, absolutely. of and that a lot of the things that you say, people will probably privately agree with you. Exactly. But they they they, they won't uh, uh, say these things publicly and support you. What is that? What is that? Um, uh, Political correctness. It's 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 like I mean, look. No, but, no, but as a as a personal characteristic, sure. What is it about people that stops them uh, uh, backing you up? Well, I think it's you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like the. And are I guess are they you, afraid? Are they afraid? Absolutely. And I think it comes down to what, I mean, part of me, I mean, I'm not, part of me is interested in libertarian politics, libertarian ideas. Um, and um, I think it comes down to also, you know, if you look at people in the private sector who run businesses, when you run a business in the private sector, if it fails, you've got to make change, right? Or else, you know, you can't keep operating on a failed system. But if you're in a government funding system, you can fail like we do every single year, every single year. The, the slate of films made by Screen Australia and Film Victoria and Screen New South Wales fails. And then what do they do? Oh, we don't have enough money. That's why we're failing. It's not we're doing anything wrong. We just need more money. So give us more money. And when I felt, no, they give them more money, continues to fail. So what they do is the, con the continuing system of failure is allowed to constantly continue due to the fact that they will never face consequences for that failure. And that, I think, is what is the main problem. Are there some other countries that you could point to that maybe have a better system than Australia? There are some systems. I mean, look, I'm actually a believer. I'm, I'm you know, I'm actually, as I said, I'm a right-wing anti-capitalist, which means I'm a right-wing socialist. So I, I, it's not that I it's not that I disbelieve in government funding. I believe public resources should be spent on Australian cinema. They just need to be spent wisely. I don't even mind if we make, say, I don't know, thirty or forty percent of the kind of films we make are politically correct bullshit, you know what I mean? Go ahead, but it doesn't have to be 90% or 95%, you know? If it was 30 or 40% great, and if we made another 30 to 40% genre really exciting that was actually embracing new talent, we would have the best independent film industry on this planet. I know exactly who the names are of the young up-and-coming talent, old and new. And, like, if someone was just to give me a million dollars where we could make, I don't know, say 10 $100,000 features or, I don't know, maybe, you know, 20, maybe there's a million from, you know, like state government and a million from the funding government, we could make 20. I tell you, within three years, we would have the most exciting independent film industry in the world. You would have five or six local lives on trees, five or six Nicholas Winding Refn's, all running about, all their work, travelling over the major festivals to Venice and blah, 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 and doing well at Cannes, doing well at Toronto. So I don't know why they don't enable it. Would only cost, they would only need to make one or two less flops. Like, think about, like, Danny Deckchair. You just need to make one less Danny Deckchair a year, and you could have this tremendous industry. I have no idea. I've never once been called into a meeting to Screen Australia or Film Victoria. Never once. And I've contacted them, and they aren't interested. Maybe I should recontact them because often just let, I ignore them the way they do me. So maybe I will try have a chat to them because you know this is the way forward. I mean, actually listen to some different ideas. If you fail every year, why not listen to a new perspective? Deutschland's name, you deserve severe punishment. Bring me the whip. Kneel before me. Prepare to receive the lash. You both. Ah! Take the lash, 4078. It's your due, and my duty is a fighter for the right. Thank <laughs> you.
Can I ask you about uh, Pearls Before Swine? Yep. Uh, uh, making that film and, and working with Boyd Rice. Uh-huh. Uh, and that being the genesis, uh, I believe, for the festival that you created. Boyd Rice, this is an industrial noise uh, musician. Uh, he's in a band called Non. Um, he was contemporaries of bands like Throbbing Gristle and uh, Einsters and New Barton. They all know his work and admire his work. Um, Boyd uh, is also somebody who um, is sometimes identified with uh, radical far-right politics and would often sometimes dress up in a way that looked kind of a bit fascist, you know, and he would uh, adopt kind of fascist imagery at times. So he was kind of very controversial. He was part of the research um, collective of artists who were in the research books that V. Vale and Andrea Juno published. And we met through a guy by the name of Adam Parfrey from Feral House. Um, Feral House kind of split off a bit from this this movement, essentially political correctness began to express itself um, within the whole research circle. And one of the first people they disowned was Boyd. But whereas Feral House didn't, they said, no, no, we like Boyd Rice. And they continued to work with Boyd and they did this book called Apocalypse Culture that was very influential around the same time of this political correctness first appearing in the late 80s. And um, so, you know, uh, I got in contact with Boyd through Adam and Adam passed away recently, so which is very sad to avail Adam Parfrey, he was a great man. And you should definitely look into anything published by Feral House. It will broaden your mind. And um, anyway, we met and uh, I had this idea for a film and I'd also been running the Hellfire Club and I'd had my Hellfire success. The Hellfire Club was hugely successful in Melbourne and Sydney. Could you just quickly explain what the Hellfire Club is? The Hellfire is? Club is a kind of SNM club. I was the first person to do that kind of thing in Australia. There had always been SNM clubs within the gay community, but they were kind of like more underground and indie events. I took it to the mainstream a bit, you know, and I ran it at... Dream Nightclub and other venues in Melbourne and at uh, the Black Market Nightclub up in Sydney. And um, I ran it for 10 years um, and it was a huge success and um, did very well. And obviously it was a very wild and decadent period of my life. And that's what my book, Mr. Hellfire, will be about, those 10 years of my life. But around that time, the film I made right in the middle of that was called Pearls Before Swine. And uh, it starred Boyd Rice. And it was this big reflection upon, I guess, let's just say the darker side of humanity. And it really was quite radical exploration of that, I guess. And I mean, it's not a perfect film. I mean, it's a bit, I was quite young at the time. I was only uh, 26, 27 when I made it. So it's, it's not a perfect film, but like it played, it premiered at the Stockholm International Film Festival where I met Roman Polanski and uh, he liked the film and we'd just seen Fight Club. And it's, it's a bit like Fight Club, if I could say what Pearls Before Swine is like. It's like a low budget version of Fight Club. So uh, I met Polanski there and then it went to the Pushon International uh, Film Festival in South Korea, uh, where I met various other interesting filmmakers, and Boyd Rice came to that. And then it went to Sick Death, where I met uh, Jeffrey Wright, another whole bunch of interesting people. And then it went to the Ahihik Film Festival in Mexico, which is this around Lake Chapalo. So I went to Mexico. So all these festivals flew me over. I attended them, and then I took it to the Melbourne International Film Festival to play. And they um, just said, no, no, just said, no, for whatever reason. I said, oh, but did you know that it's played at these other reasonably established. Some of them were, were at least, the Stockholm International Film Festival is on a level the, the same as the Melbourne International Film Festival. And I thought it's weird that they would play it and you would not since the film is shot in Melbourne and stars a whole bunch of Melbourne actors. Anyway, I got in contact with Philip Brophy, who uh, is someone I've always admired. I attended a lot of his lectures on cinema and genre and um, body horror and um, lots of other very complex issues to do with uh, uh, cinema and, um, and, and horror. And uh, I always really admired his work and he's one of the first people who got me to explore um, 
philosophy, critical idea, critical theory, and things like this. So he inspired me because I often didn't know what he was talking about. He inspired me to investigate a lot of these kind of thinkers that he often would reference in his work. So he was definitely an influence. And um, so I, I, I contacted Philip because he had some friends within within the festival, and he said, "Look, I think they should play it too." So I'll give him a quick call for you. And I said, "No, like they really don't want to play it for whatever reason. I didn't even know." It's the director at the time, Sam Pastrelli. I apparently didn't watch it, but someone down the trough had, and they said, no, I want to play this, probably because it's controversial. And um, I said, okay. And then I wrote this email saying it's an outraged email to an internet film zone run by Graham McLaughlin by the name of Filmnet. And uh, I just said, so I think it's shocking that they won't play and support this local film. And then I got about 30 or 40 emails back from other filmmakers saying, yeah, I made a gay and lesbian film, you know, like a lesbian vampire film, or I made like a horror film, or I made like a porn documentary, or I made an, an underground avant-garde work. And these are all, all these films rejected. And I literally said to those 30 or 40 emails, I said, well, guess what? You're all in. I'm going to create my own festival and you are all accepted. I'm not even going to watch them. I'm just going to play every single film that was rejected and you're all in. And all these people thought it was wonderful. One of those people was James Wan and Shannon Young. So, How did that uh, first uh, Melbourne Underground Film Festival uh, turn out? Very good. It was, it, was, it was quite successful from the get-go, and we had some major cinemas supporting us in the beginning, like the Kino, and uh, we had uh, Nova early on, and we had a lot of the major cinemas supporting us. And only as we got more and more controversial did the cinemas have to become more and more independent. But, you know, that's what my fears. I mean, I think people should be grateful, even if they disagree with some of the things we've done. I mean, for example, last year we played the uh, Vax documentary, which is about the anti-vaccination movement. Now, I'm not necessarily a supporter of that movement. And this is one thing people should know. Just because I play a film on something doesn't matter I agree with it. I just believe you should have the freedom of speech to talk about it, you know? What, what do you think about uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Tribeca uh, originally programming Vax, but then pulling it? That's exactly correct. That's why I wanted to play it. Because someone that big had to pull it. He agreed with it. I know he did. Because you can go online and listen to him defend it. His son has autism. Now, look, and look, I, I don't even want to get into that issue because it's extreme. And if you do get an issue, people start attacking you. But I will say this. I didn't believe in it at all. I thought it was absolute bullshit. Then I watched the documentary. That's all I'm going to say. And it disturbed the living shit out of me. And you can get it online and you can go to the thing, a link online, and you pay like eight bucks and you can watch it. It's called Vaxxed. Just go watch it and make up your own mind. There are questions. We also played a film called The Red Pill, which was about the men's movement, which is, again, controversial from another perspective. And like this local uh, film critic, Luke Buckmaster, oh, you know, he's a typical, I mean, you know, I actually know Luke for many years ago. He didn't used to be so social, social justice warrior, but I think he's become like the ultimate social justice warrior film critic to further his film critical career, which of course I think is very cynical. But, um, you know, he was like, oh, I saw this film, it's terrible. And then the film is not terrible. Both films are really worth viewing, even if you have the complete opposite view. And... There's nothing wrong with seeing the view of your opponents. First of all, to better understand it, to better be able to fight it. If you want to fight something, understand what they're saying, for God's sake. And I mean, this is, it's, it's shocking that on universities, people are being shut down, all these things. You couldn't play these films on university campuses. You'd be shut down. But yet, you can have, a, say, a Marxist conference. You know what I mean? Like, was recently on, at the uh, Victorian College of the Arts. There's was a huge Marxist conference. It was advertised everywhere. Now, Marxism is almost directly connected to the deaths of over 100 million people through communism in the 20th century. They make the Nazis look like school children. You know what I mean? What the Nazis got, what, six billion? You know what I mean? Okay, let's even include everyone who died in World War II. From the Nazi perspective, I don't know, it must be like 50 million maybe? Still, the, the communists way outweigh them. There's been estimates of over 160 million people killed by communists in the 20th century. So, you know, is I mean, you know, people should question this. There is danger 
in the left and the far left, just as there's danger in the right and the far right. So I think everyone should be aware of these dangers and everyone should uh, try and keep, I guess, you know, I have no problem with being interested in far left ideas or far right ideas. I have some interest in these things myself, but we should all avoid the horrors on either end or else we're headed towards fucking disaster. What is your advice to, to young filmmakers that are not going to be given funding? What is your advice to them uh, if they have it in their heart that they want to make movies? Well, I mean, I've made seven or eight features since, 19, since I made Bloodlust, and uh, they've always been independently funded. Just my, my advice is just go do it. Don't accept no for an answer. And I mean, if I, keep, if I live to be, I don't know, 75, I'll have a 20 by the time I've finished. So, I mean, I'll have a body of work comparable to a filmmaker like Rainer Werner Fassbender, who's one of my idols. So just get out there and fucking do it. Don't take no for an answer. Don't let anybody say no to you, whatever you do. You can always make a film, whether it be a low budget, a bigger budget. I've worked with different budgets. I've never had a large budget film. And believe me, the first time I do, you'll know it because the whole world will know it. What do you think is coming next uh, culturally? Is political correctness going to get worse or do you think that there's going to be a backlash? I don't know. I think the backlash is well underway. I mean, you just see the popularity of someone like Jordan Peterson who's destroying political correctness. Um, and he's beginning to occupy what Gramsci called the uh, cultural discourse space. Um, I think there's a reaction against it. I think there's a definite right um, swing back. I mean, how far that goes, you don't know. And uh, people should be wary, you know, I think, because that swing can be uh, really intense. And, um, but look, I don't know, I'm hoping, you know, there'll be a swing back to the right, but it will be mild and then hopefully we'll balance things out. Essentially, um, I'm, I'm more of a bit of a radical centrist and also I have an interest in what's called dialectics. I have an interest in far left ideas and I have an interest in far right ideas and they meet up a bit, you know, not at the radical end, they meet up more in the middle. You know, I have an interest in some aspects of socialism and I have some interest in some aspects of nationalism, keeping um, limiting immigration and things like this. So I think, you know, I think both can have value and, and, and such. So, um, you know, I think we need to show moderation, particularly when things seem to be going off, off the rails. Our whole society seems to be going off the rails. And, um, you know, I mean, there's great... I mean, you only need to look at the 20th century to see what, what the dangers are on both the left and the right. I mean there's a strong chance we're headed towards these kind of horrors, whether it be left-wing horrors or right-wing horrors. And I think we need, all of us, need to do everything we can to avoid that. I mean, don't we? I mean, you know, as Jordan Peterson might say, it's no fucking picnic. Who are some of the people that have uh, influenced you on your path uh, to, to create a film festival and be an independent filmmaker? Who, who are some of the people that uh, uh, really had, a, had a, a big fundamental influence on you early on and formed you as the, the Richard Wilson Croft we know? Sure. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate over the years to have a number of mentors, and I've always been somebody uh, who realizes um, the importance of mentors in life. Um, there's a number of them. I, one of the first ones was uh, my media teacher at Ivanhoe Grammar School. Um, I had media studies in year nine and ten, and I had this amazing um, media studies teacher by the name of Simon Laplastria, and he um, used to... Uh, just do really weird things. Like, this was a very oppressive kind of, like, boys' school, and... Um, he would just come in and you would like to say, okay, everyone lie on the ground. And then he would like play Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon, like the whole album. And everyone just be lying there, dim the lights. And he wasn't dodgy in any way. He wasn't running around doing anything. It was just, he was just into art. Another time he'd come on and he'd play a Ken Loach film, you know. And then he began to just play interesting films during off 16 mil. And the one that changed my life was If by Lindsay Anderson, which was about a group of boys at a boys' school, a repressive boys' school, very much like the one I was attending who decide to become revolutionaries. And exactly what kind of revolutionaries they are, they seem, maybe they're right-wing revolutionaries, 
Maybe they're left-wing revolutionaries. But at the end of the film, they shoot up the entire school with, with weapons. There's no way you could play that to a film at school now with all these school shootings. But that film, it made me realise, because I was always into kind of like violence and um, violent cinema and action cinema and cinema that involves sexuality and stuff um, as a teenager because there's a whole video revolution. I grew up during the whole video nasty revolution. So I'd seen lots of horror films. But then when I saw a film that was like an art film that embraced kind of like violence and really kind of controversial intellectual ideas, that was when I thought that's, that's what I want to do with my life.